program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Broken systems do not produce essential joy. Broken systems do not produce essential joy. Um, I don't know if you've ever had, you know, your, your car gearboxes grinding and cranking and then power just blows up, you know, or just, you know, Drop a, drop a valve and you put a hole in your piston, right? It's kind of crazy. It's like, it's a broken system. It doesn't go anywhere. It's stuck. And, and what I want to address this morning um, is, for, for those of you who grew up in churches, it's going to be just like redundant, like heard it before. But I've been praying that God through the Holy Spirit will, will, will bring it to a new way and a new light because modern day legalism looks very different. And if we're attacking legalism like the way it was in the Old Testament, the New Testament, even the last decade, you're going to miss what modern-day legalism looks like, and we won't be able to identify the broken system that, um, that we're being introduced to. And we sang this morning, and one of the reasons why this week I've really been um, holding myself in front of the mirror of grace is to see if there's any flesh that I'm standing on, or is it just grace that I'm receiving from God? Um, have you ever seen someone use something um, in its most unreasonable way? Um, those of you who work with, you know, tools and stuff. Have you ever seen anybody use a hammer to put a screw in the wall? <laughs> it kind of makes you cringe. It makes you want to take the hammer and turn it around, use it on that person. Right? It's like, hey, here we go. You know? I'm like, dude, there's a drill right there. You know? I'm like, no, no, it's okay. You know? Or have you, that guy finds it funny. Get that guy a toolkit for his birthday. Or when you go to the gym or you watch videos of people working out and it makes you cringe and it makes you go, ouch. Right? Like, oh, that shoulder's not supposed to twist that way. Right? Or, or um, I was watching a, I know there are many uh, stylists over here in this church. I was watching a video of a dude cutting hair with an axe. Oh, yeah. uh, with, with like two, two hatchets in his hand, and he's going to town on two people's, two people's head. I'm like, man, don't sneeze, man. Like, you know, <laughs> you lose more than just, you know, your split ends. That'd be terrible. But the funny thing is when you're watching these videos or you're watching these people, you kind of cringe and you hold your breath and you're like, oh, why is he doing it? But for those people who are doing it, they feel like they're making such great success. They feel like, you know, it's like, man, look at me. I'm doing something that's innovative. I'm doing something new. I'm, I'm getting into uncharted territories. I'm a pioneer, right? And you're like, oh, man, that's like a train wreck waiting to happen. Um, sadly, that cringe is evident even in our homes and our personal lives as we ignore grace and chase after works. One of the worst things a believer can do, one of the worst things you can do is to ignore the grace of God and to chase after the works of flesh. And by works of flesh, I'm not just saying, you know, get indulged in pornography and sleeping around and drugs and alcohol and stuff. I'm talking about chasing after works that proves your righteousness. God hates that equally. That's one of the worst, cringiest things that we can do. And I believe that sitting in, in, in every church, on every pew, are people who need to be reminded that we're saved by grace through faith and not by works. In every church, under every stained glass window, people need to be reminded that broken systems will not produce essential joy. And sitting here in this church, I want to make sure as a pastor of this church that I'm being faithful to remind you that there's a fair chance that this week you've stopped leaning on the grace of God and have gotten prideful on your do's and your don'ts. And because of that, your worship is meaningless. Your worship is dry. Your worship is raw. Your spiritual life is depressing. You wonder why you, you do all these things, but you don't experience the, the beautiful 
you know, indwelling presence of God. You wonder why you're trying so hard, but the Bible is not really speaking to you. You come to church and it just feels boring and you wonder why. And it could be because you're following a broken system that doesn't produce eternal joy. Um, but there's a problem with this. There's a huge problem in this. The problem is this. Uh, please track with me because this, this is like where we're really going to build this case, okay? The problem is this. If you are not focusing on your works and you don't, don't, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to work on grace, you find yourself failing and falling and finding excuses for sin. Amen? Finding excuses for sin and you find yourself living in unrighteousness. On the other hand, if you're working so hard on your works and you're like, man, I, I, I got I to gotta make sure that I'm, I'm fighting temptation daily, you eventually find yourself in self-righteousness. And you, 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 the whole life, it seems like, Unrighteousness, self-righteousness. Like, what the heck do I do, man? This is crazy. Every time you hear a message on grace, it's convicting. And every time you hear a message on repentance, it's convicting. And you're stuck in this tug of war between self-righteousness and unrighteousness. And I've struggled with this all my Christian life. With, man, how, how do I... And that's why a few weeks ago when I was talking about work out your salvation, mind what God... When temptation comes, bring out what God's deposited in you. Well, really spoke to me. And this way, we're going to unpack this because... There are some people who have been enticed in the church to follow the flesh, to work out their salvation in their flesh and to stand on, their, on the works that they do to prove that they were saved. Uh, but you'll be happy to know that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible tells us that you're created and you're saved for good works. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So good works is actually a good thing. So you fighting temptation is a good thing. You sharing the gospel is a good thing. You tithing is a good thing. You getting baptized is a good thing. If you're not baptized, you should get baptized before this year ends. It's a good thing. You're created for good works. Jesus saved you for good works. The problem happens when we begin depending on our good works. The problem happens when your good works outweigh the beautiful blood of Jesus. And, and folks, this has got to be a constant, consistent check in a believer's life. Because if you're not reminded of the gospel daily, sometimes minute by minute, hour by hour, you quickly will slip into working out your salvation in your flesh. Salvation is about knowing Jesus. That's what salvation is all about. If you're not saved, I want you to know that salvation is about knowing Jesus, who he is, what he did. It's not knowing about him, but it's knowing him in a way where you have a relationship with him. I mean, I can give you many, many illustrations of this, and I'm sure you, you follow so many people on social media, and you feel like you really know that person, but that person doesn't have a relationship with you, and you don't have a relationship with that person. Um, being a Christian is not just coming to church, hearing a lot of good things about Jesus and reading the Bible and knowing more about who Jesus was and what he did, but it's having a relationship with him. It's about talking to him, walking with him. And as we're going to see, what does this look like? How can we reject broken systems and how can we embrace the gospel of grace? It's ha having a relationship with him. It's not knowing Jesus plus something else. Salvation is knowing Jesus. And when you know Jesus, there will come a natural response of obedience. A natural response of obedience Jesus says in John chapter 14, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You're tracking with me so far. Okay, but here's a funny thing though. There are many people that keep the commands, uh, invisible quotes in case you're listening on the podcast, that keep the commands that aren't saved. On the outside, it looks like, man, they're very obedient because obedience does not produce salvation. People who obey doesn't mean that they're saved. It's something that's internal that has to change. And the internal change will produce what happens on the outside. And that's what we're going to unpack in these, in, the, in these, we're going to be going through three verses. Surprise, surprise. Paul, he had an encounter with Jesus. Paul was chasing after a broken system. 
We're going to see that next week. Paul was chasing a terrible broken system. And pow, Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And it's been 30 years since he had that encounter with Jesus. And guess what? He's still desperate to know Jesus more and more and more and more. You know why? Because salvation is knowing Jesus. And the more you know him, the more you want to obey him. The more you know him, the more you love him. Look at this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. It says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Salvation is knowing Jesus. A saved person will want to know Jesus more and more. Not just know about him, but know him more to have a more deeper relationship with him. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Beautiful word. We'll unpack that next week as Paul, you know, gives us his resume in order that I may gain Christ. Once again, why was this important to Paul? To know Jesus more and more? Because that's what the gospel is. The good news is Jesus came in the world and we need to know him more. The more we know him, the more we obey him. We don't obey him so that we can work our way to salvation we obey him because we're saved and the more you know him the more you'd want to the more you will know what he's calling us to do broken systems broken systems as I've been praying um, just three, three verses man I've been praying for God to be able to bring to the surface and to confront our pride in the areas of our broken systems When your works become more important than grace, you're following a broken system. When the prescription that God gives you becomes more important than a personal relationship, you're following a broken system. When the stairs leading up to the temple becomes more important than the person that you're going to worship, it's a broken system. When the wrapper becomes more important than what it's holding, it's a broken system. When the uniform you wear becomes more important than the office it represents, it's a broken system. When pleasing people becomes more important than having a personal relationship with Jesus, it is a... And we're entering into a wartime where people are going to try to sway you, bully you into pleasing the world and will lure you into a broken system. But our affection should be towards Jesus. When pleasing people becomes more important than a genuine relationship, man, we're in a broken system. And broken systems will lead to a dead end. Broken systems will not produce essential joy. This is the first thing I want to point out that Paul's going to uh, bring to our mind. He says, remind yourself of the gospel of grace. Remind yourself of the gospel of grace because broken systems hate grace. Broken systems they hate grace, and that's why we have to remind ourselves of the gospel of grace. Constantly keep reminding yourself of the gospel of grace. When you fail, when you find yourself giving in to temptation, you don't run to works. You have to run to the grace of God. The gospel should be what you constantly surround yourself with. As it gets cold and you wrap yourself around a blanket, remind yourself of the gospel of grace. That's what you should be clothed with. The gospel of grace, not your works. Paul is going to remind them about the gospel. And he says it's good to be reminded about this over and over and over again because we very quickly forget and we fall back into broken systems. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and it's safe for you. Interesting, he says, finally, and we're right there smack dab in the middle of the book. 
And he says, finally, he's kind of like a preacher that says, and in closing, and then he talks for an hour. You're like, hey, come on, man. Don't lie in God's house now. But he's not saying finally as in concluding the book. He's saying finally, pay attention. He says, finally, on the topic of salvation. Because he's been talking about Jesus and how he's our prime example to follow. Then he spoke about service last week, if you remember that. Your billboard sign, are you ready to serve? And he wants to make sure that we don't come to the conclusion that serving equates salvation. And so he says, finally, on the topic of salvation and service, finally, brothers, um, to bring this to a conclusion when I talk about salvation, he says, rejoice in the Lord. This is not a new topic that he's uh, bringing to our attention. In chapter 1, he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. He says, there are false preachers out there that are causing harm for me, but yet I rejoice because the gospel is still going on. And then in chapter 2, he says, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you also. He says, even if I'm suffering, killed, persecuted, I will still rejoice. And he says, you should rejoice too that I'm suffering for the sake of the gospel. And you should be happy to suffer too. So the topic of rejoicing in joy is not the first time he's introducing us to this, but he's reminding us this time to rejoice in the Lord. Not just rejoice in suffering, not just rejoice that the gospel is going up, but rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. That itself is a sermon, man. We're going in a time, again, like I said, where a lot of things is going to steal your joy. Right? Job loss, sickness, news out there, and division out there. Your neighbors are going to be knocking on you and calling on you. People are going to come and tell us to close down the doors of the church. A lot of things is going to try and steal our joy. And the Bible tells us rejoice in the Lord. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Because joy, if it comes from the Lord, no one can steal it. Hey man, if you're sitting here and you're depressed and you're down, I'm glad you came to church or I'm glad you tuned in. You need to ask yourself if you're down, where's your joy coming from? If it's not coming from the beautiful grace of God, you're following a broken system. Your joy is coming from something else. You might have just failed miserably this last week, but you still have the potential to rejoice with the essential joy that comes from the gospel that no one can take away. That no sin can be so big that can take your joy away. There can be no threat that can be so big that can take your joy away. There's nothing so great that can outweigh the joy of salvation. There's no sin so powerful that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. And there's no illness of mind or body that the Spirit of God cannot penetrate and bring joy. But if you are starting to believe a lie, and if you're starting to put away the grace of God, you're starting to walk in a broken system. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 